When you look at, you see Jesus in the, in the manger and the shepherds and whoever else around it, the story there is that God keeps his promises. And the reason why he keeps his promises is because God is sovereign. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for December 24, 2017. Today, Pastor Olu brings a message called, The Sovereign God Keeps His Promise. That means God is all powerful. That means God is all knowing. And that means God is absolutely free to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to, all the way down to the most minute detail without ever worrying about anything changing because he's sovereign. And so because of that, he kept his promises. Pastor Olu says now that the Christmas season is upon us, it's easy to get lost in the gift giving and the festivities that are often associated with Christmas. Christmas is a time to reflect and remember that we were in a total state of sin and subject to its consequences. But because God sent his son to die for our sins, if we accept God's free gift of salvation, we don't have to suffer the consequences. Pastor Olu says that because God is sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, and absolutely free to do whatever he wants, he keeps his promises. He will be reading from the book of Luke chapter 1. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. I was going to do Daniel, but I figured it's Christmas. Let's look at something focused more on Christmas. So I had a message already planned. It was exciting. It was more of, a, of the apologetics of Christmas, like going through all of the traditions and the tales and the things that weren't necessarily true. So I was really excited about it, going through it. But as I continue to study, the Lord just continued to take me in another direction. So we're going with that direction. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1. We'll start around, actually we're going to start reading around verse 45. Okay, Luke chapter 1. I'll start reading, I'm going to start reading at 39. In those days... Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. What we have here, and I wanted to read the whole thing. Uh, what we have here is what's called 
the Magnificat. I don't know if you heard about that, that term, the Magnificat. And the reason it's called the Magnificat is because the first word in Latin, starting at verse 26, is Magnificat, which is magnify. That's the first word there. So the scenario was going on is a little bit before this, an angel of the Lord appeared to this little girl named Mary. Now, the cool thing about Mary is that the Bible doesn't tell us how old she was. We knew she was a young girl. So tradition and looking back at history shows that young girls around that time in Mary's case situation was probably around the age of 12, 13, or like 14. So for instance, how do you, uh, nine? 12, stand up for us. It's nine, it's 12. How are you, Tyler? 12, stand up. So Mary, we're talking about Mary, is a, somewhere around this age right here. Maybe a little bit older than she is. Thank you, ladies. I want you to get a, a picture of what's going on. And so the angel came to Mary and told her that she's about to have a child. Mary was like, well, how can I have a child? I'm not even married yet. The angel told her that God was going to visit her and that she was going to have the Messiah. And upon hearing this, she went to her cousin's house. The Bible says it was a cousin, but it could have been like a first cousin, a second cousin, any kind of cousin, some type of relative house to Elizabeth. Now, the cool thing about Elizabeth was Elizabeth was also with child, and her child was going to be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's responsibility was to proclaim that the Messiah is coming. And so the cool thing about the whole scenario here in Luke chapter 1 is we have two women who are with child, they're pregnant, and Mary went to talk to Elizabeth. And I don't know why she went. She could have went to kind of discuss some things with her. Maybe she went to help out with her. I don't know why exactly she went, but the Bible says she went to Elizabeth to talk to her. And so when you think about the Messiah, Christmas time, we talk about, I think I saw a nativity scene. There's a nativity scene right there. When we think about Jesus coming, when we think about Christmas, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of fanfare that goes into it. But when we think about it, think about the Christmas songs, we sang Silent Night, there's joy to the world. What we have right here in the portion of scripture is pretty much the first Christmas song. That's what the Magnificat is. It's the first Christmas song. The first announcement to the world, other than the angel telling Mary that Jesus was coming, the first two people to hear this are Elizabeth and by default, John the Baptist, who was in his mother's womb at the time. When Elizabeth hears this, this is where it gets exciting to me. When Elizabeth hears what Mary has told her, that the long awaited for Messiah is coming, is here, and she has the Messiah inside of her, and she's going to give birth to this Messiah. Elizabeth says some interesting things. Look with me in chapter one, verse 45. What Elizabeth says, she says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And that verse has a lot of nuggets in it. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That word there, we talked about it before when we were looking through Hebrews. But what Elizabeth was saying is, Mary is blessed because she believed. She believed 
what the angel told her. She believed the word from the Lord that it would come to pass, that it would be fulfilled. That word believe there, if we look at it in context, it has the idea, and if I didn't have my PowerPoint today, but I wish I did. If I did, I would click it and on the screen it would say, believe means to accept internally with a secure and steadfast conviction. So I want you to think about that. To believe means to accept internally with a secure and steadfast conviction as to the goodness, the effectiveness, and the ability of God to do what he said he was going to do. What Elizabeth said was that Mary was blessed because she believed. Mary heard what God said. Think about this now. And she accepted it. To believe means to accept it internally. That means to internalize it. You heard people say that? You have to internalize that. That means you have to take it on the inside with a secure and steadfast conviction. Because Mary did that, the Bible says, Elizabeth says she was blessed because she believed that there would be fulfillment what was spoken to her by the Lord. The cool thing about belief, whenever you see belief in the Bible, it's always attached with an action. True belief is always accompanied by an action or actions that correspond to the reality of what was believed. So think about that. When I say I believe something, that means there has to be some action. There will be some visual or some physical action to go along with that belief. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. In Luke eleven twenty seven, 27, this is Jesus talking. So we're talking about the belief. Elizabeth said, blessed are you, Mary, because you have believed what God said he was going to do, that he was going to do it. Luke eleven twenty seven 27 says this. This is Jesus talking. And he said these things. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nurse. But he said, Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so what Jesus said, blessings are for people who not only hear the word of God, but keep it. By keep it means to obey it. And so the Bible tells us that our inward belief is demonstrated by outward obedience. The first thing that Elizabeth says when she hears about this baby Jesus being born was that, Mary, you are blessed because of your belief. And so the question comes when we talk about Christmas is, have you accepted internally the word of the Lord? Have we taken what God said in his word to be true? And I don't say, yeah, I believe it, but belief means to take it internally. I've internalized what God said such that I have a secure and a steadfast conviction. Amen. Inward belief is demonstrated by outward obedience. I don't know if y'all remember the song in Sunday school. Uh, the obedience song? I'm going to have to sing it. Y'all sing it before? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands and doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately and joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And we spell it O-B-E-D. 
I-E-N-C-E. Nobody? No. Obedience is the very best way. No help. To show that you believe. Yay! All right. I thought somebody was going to jump in there. But listen to those words. We were singing this at like five and six years old. Talking about obedience had to do with action. Do it immediately. This secure and steadfast conviction. When we think about a conviction. That means that's a, a belief that I have that I hold so dear to. I hold it so tight. That's what belief has to do with. This secure and steadfast conviction. This belief that Mary had in God's promise affected her internal condition so that she experienced a state of blessedness. And that's what Elizabeth was saying. She was blessed, blessed because of her belief. That word blessed there has the idea of free from daily cares and worries. How many want to be free from your daily cares and free from your worries? That's what blessings mean. Because our every breath and our every circumstance is in the hands of a sovereign creator who gives us this assurance. And so how this work is, God gives us his word. There are promises of God. And as a body of Christ, as a believer of God, my responsibility is to accept those promises, what God says is his word, to accept it internally. And once I accept it internally with that secure and steadfast conviction, I believe it. The very next thing that has to come out is obedience to that. And then from my obedience, the Bible says, I will be blessed. It's kind of different about what you hear today from some uh, pulpits when you hear about blessings. Oh, God's going to give you a blessing. You got the new year coming up. You know, oh, this is your season. Your season is coming. You're going to get a blessing and it's like just passing out blessings to everybody. But the Bible says and scripture tells that your blessings are attached to your obedience, which is attached to your belief, which is attached to you hearing the word of God. And so if you are not hearing the word of God, if you have not internalized the word of God, if you are not obedient to the word of God, then don't be looking for any blessings from God. Because my blessings, according to scripture, are attached to my obedience, which are attached to my belief, which are attached to what God said in his promise. Good word there in verse 46 was that Elizabeth said, verse 45 was, she believed that there would be a fulfillment. That means an actualization of a promise. Mary believed. Now, you got to think how crazy this is. This is a 12, 13-year-old girl. She's in a house. Gospel Olu, I don't know where she was. Minding her own business. A dude shows up in her house, an angel. Angel tells her, blessed are you, Mary. You're about to have a child. I know you're not married. And oh, by the way, the child that you're going to have without a husband is going to be God. I'm out. Peace. And so then Mary said, well, wait a minute. How is this happening? I'm not even married. Like, I don't even know nobody. How is this going to be? And the, God, and the angel told her that God would visit her and give her the baby. Now, that's crazy. That's crazy today. It's, it's crazy back then. But the Bible says that Mary believed it. How often do I hear the word of God and fail to, to internalize it? Fail to accept it. I hear it. I read it, man. I'm reading through the Bible right now. I'm in, uh, what am I in? I'm in Galatians right now. Almost done. 
But how, much, how often do we read the word of God? Do we hear the word of God? But we don't actually internalize it. We don't secure or tie ourselves to it with a steadfast conviction. Mary, at such a young age, she did that. As crazy as that sounded, she did that. And because of that, the Bible says she would be blessed. The Christmas story, as I was reading, I saw it. The Christmas story is this, that God keeps his promises. That's what the Christmas story is. When you look at you see Jesus in the, in the manger and the shepherds and whoever else around it, the story there is that God keeps his promises. And the reason why he keeps his promises is because, da -da 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 -da, time back to our series, God is sovereign. That means God is all powerful. That means God is all knowing. And that means God is absolutely free to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to, all the way down to the most minute detail without ever worrying about anything changing because he's sovereign. And so because of that, he kept his promises. There are over 350 Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. Over 350 prophecies that the Messiah was going to come. Going all the way back to, guess what? The first book of the Bible, Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, God tells Adam and Eve that a woman will have a seed, and that seed of the woman would destroy Satan. Now, as Brenda and Ray are getting quite educated on, women don't have seeds. The seed comes from the male. Women have the eggs. And so when God said the seed of a woman, like what are you talking about, a seed of a woman? That doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. But that was God all the way back in Genesis talking to Adam. There were only two people on the whole planet. God was saying that, hey, I'm going to visit you. And by the way, I'm coming through a woman without a man, the seed of a woman. And think about all those years after that, everything that happened from Pharaoh to the plagues of Egypt to wandering in the wilderness to Samson to the kings to Babylon to the Greeks to the Romans. All those years of pain and suffering, God still remembered his promise and he kept his promise because one day in the city of Bethlehem, a savior was born. Because he's sovereign and he keeps his promise. The Christmas story is that God keeps his promise. A sovereign God keeps his promise. And so Mary starts in verse 46, this amazing passage called the Magnificat. She starts off saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God of my salvation. The reason she's rejoicing, the reason she's magnifying is because God, the sovereign Yahweh, has kept his promise. He's told them for years and thousands and thousands and thousands of years that I will come and I will visit you and I will be a king and I will free you and I will bless you. And these people have been waiting and waiting and waiting for years until this moment right here. That word magnify means to physically make large or to declare great. I went to the um, eye doctor last week. The eye doctor asked me, he said, hey, you know, you got your charts. He was like, yeah, so uh, how are those reading glasses coming along? I said, well, doc, 
uh, I haven't been using them. You know, I, I kind of get a headache. So, so what's happening is the older you get, uh, pretty soon your eyes start not to work like they're used to. And so the doctor told me that eventually I'm going to need reading glasses. What the reading glasses do is pretty much just a magnifying glass. All it does is it takes whatever these words are and it magnifies them. It makes them larger. The word that Mary says, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul makes large the Lord. Think about that. What have you made large in your life? Think about your life. What's large in your life? What looms? Think of something that's large, a, a mountain. A mountain casts a big shadow. So I think about my life like what, Olu, what looms large over my life? What is my life consumed of? What have I made large with my life? What goes on in my life that casts a shadow on everything that I do? Everything that I'm around, everything that I get involved with because of how large it is in my life. Mary said, my soul, and the word that she used for magnifies in the Greek tense, it has to do with a continual state. What verse is that? That's verse uh, 46. 46. One. Chapter 1. We're still in 1. She said, my soul is in a continual state of magnifying the Lord. A continual state of magnifying the Lord. That means there's a constant and constant. David said in Psalms 34, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, make large the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It is very important in the community of the body of Christ as believers that we magnify the Lord together. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. That means that I'm going to come in and I'm going to make God large. And then Fadi is going to walk in and he's going to make God large. And then May's going to walk in, and she's going to make God large. And all of a sudden, all of us are in together doing the same thing, making God large, magnifying his name, declaring how great he is. When you are in a continual state, as Mary was, think about this. If you are in a continual state of making God large in your life, that means my emphasis is on God. All he is, how big he is, how amazing he is, and all the things, and I continue to talk him up, and I continue to brag about him, and I continue to give him preeminence in my life. I'm making the Lord large in my life. I'm magnifying him. When we are in a continued state of doing that, it is very difficult to have an attitude. Very difficult to have an attitude with people. It's very difficult for people to get on your nerves when you are in a continual state of making the Lord large in your life. It's very difficult to be ugly when you're making the Lord large in your life. It's very difficult to fuss and to fight, to complain about stuff, to worry about stuff, to stress about stuff. It's very difficult to, to fuel conflict or to disobey or to sin when I am in a continual state of of making the Lord large in my life. The Bible proclaims to us, oh, magnify the Lord with me. The reason why I'm making the Lord, that Mary was magnifying the Lord, the reason why her spirit was rejoicing because of what had just happened. God has kept his promises. And because of that, that's my responsibility. And my spirit, verse 47, rejoices in the God of my Savior. I like that word, the God of my Savior. God, my Savior. 
in Isaiah 52, turn with me there real quick. Isaiah 52, verse 10. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Isaiah 52, 10, the prophet says, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. I like that. The Lord has bared his arm, his holy arm. You know what that means, right? That means that God was flexing on them. That's what it means. God has bared his holy arm. God has showed them, this, this is who you're dealing with. He bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations till the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. God is savior. God be flexing on them fools. That's what he did. And that's why Mary said, I rejoice in the God, my savior. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11, it says, God says, I am God, and beside me there is no other Savior. 1 John 4, 14, John said, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The reason we celebrate during this time, or the reason that we get excited about Christmas time, should be the fact that God, the sovereign God, has kept his promise. And he has sent to us a savior. That word savior could be interpreted many ways. It basically means to be rescued for some peril. But by saying God's my savior, she's also saying that God my rescuer, God my deliverer, God my preserver, God my protector, and God my healer. That's who showed up in that manger. That's why it's exciting times. Because who was in that manger? It was God. And the Bible says that my savior, my rescuer, that means to rescue means to take a prisoner forcibly from custody. My deliverer means to set free. My preserver means to keep alive or to keep intact or to keep free from decay. My protector means to keep safe from hurt, from harm or from danger. And my healer means to free from injury or disease or to make whole. See, when we are in a continual state of making God large, when we are in a continual state of magnifying the Lord, of exalting God's name, when I'm doing that constantly, that leads me to rejoice in the promise and the experience of being rescued, being delivered, being preserved, being protected, and being healed and being saved. That's that continual thing there. That's why Mary was so excited. That's why she said, my soul rejoices, my spirit rejoices, my soul magnifies the Lord. Because Mary realized what her condition was. Look with me in verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and his whole and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. You see, Mary knew. She says he had looked upon my humble estate. Mary knew that she was a prisoner. She knew that she needed to be free. She knew that she was dying. That she was decaying. 
she knew that she was surrounded by hurt, by harm and by danger. And she knew that she was sick. And so it's interesting. We can't truly rejoice or even acknowledge God as Savior until we recognize and acknowledge our condition. That's what the Christmas story is about. The Christmas story is about realizing who we are and where we are and what we need. You know, it's interesting. When we do that, when we realize our condition, our sinful state, and we realize what happened on that day in Bethlehem, Christmas becomes more than just a, a, a wrapping gifts. You know, it comes more than just cooking meals or, or, or family time or giving gifts, etc. Christmas becomes more than that because it becomes a time to remember that I was a prisoner, that I had been forced into custody by some evil thing, that I was decaying, that I was dying, that I was in hurt, that I was under some harm, that I was under danger, that I was sick, that I had a disease, this disease called sin. Christmas is a time to realize that that's the state that I was in. But like Paul said in Galatians chapter four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The sovereign God kept his promise. And my responsibility because of that is to accept that gift, to accept the word of God, to internalize it with a secure and steadfast conviction, then to obey what God says, then I receive my blessing because I am in a continual state of making God large, of magnifying God in all that I do and all that I say and all that I think. So how do I know that I'm truly in the Christmas spirit? How do I make sure that I'm in the Christmas spirit? Well, I know that I'm in the Christmas spirit because Christmas is about the Savior came. When I have a secure and steadfast conviction within me, when I have that outward obedience to God, and when I am in a continual state of making God great in my life, that's when I know I'm truly in the Christmas spirit. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. The Christmas story is about Emmanuel has come. I am that I am is here. Yahweh is here. That's what it's supposed to be. As far as us believers, that's what it's supposed to be. It's interesting because we sing the songs, we sing it today. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. But technically, it wasn't. You got to think about it. Because what was going on was inside, I wish I could pull out that, um, that, uh, uh, that nativity scene. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to mess with it. <laughs> but, but, but when you think about it, I don't want to mess with it. It's so delicate. When you think, thank you, ma'am. When you think about it, <laughs> Silent Night, Holy Night, it's a cute song. But when we look at that manger and we see who was actually in that manger, in that manger was Elohim, God the creator. In that manger was Jehovah God. 
In that manger was Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Saba, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Jireh, Elohim, El Elyon, El Shaddai, Jesus, Emmanuel, the bread of life, the door, the good shepherd, the living water, the true vine, the way, the truth, the life, the Alpha and Omega, I am that I am, was sitting in that manger. And because of that, it's not a all is calm and all is bright. No, it's time for rejoicing and magnifying and lifting up the name of God because of who was in that manger. That's why a kabillion zillion angels showed up that night to the shepherds. The Bible says there was a magnitude of angels that showed up saying, Yahweh is here. See, that's why our focus should be not on trees and trimmings and gifts and family. Our focus should be on Yahweh. Amen. I am that I am is here. As believers, we have to ensure that our emphasis is biblical and in the right place. So you can have your, I say pomp and circumstance, but you can have your focus on the trees and the gifts and the shopping. That's fine. It's not a sin. But think, listen to this. Whatever emphasis you give to the spirit of Christmas, you have to better make sure that my biblical emphasis should be a kabillion times multiplied than whatever that is. Because my responsibility to the body of Christ is to make God large. So however excited I get, oh, it's Christmas time, I'm so excited. That's cool, that's fine. But your excitement for the things of God during this time should be so much more that it overshadows your excitement for Christmas. Because I am, the I am is here. And I think about that in my life. Like, in my life, I, I put emphasis on a lot of things. I think about with Jaden. I started going to the gym with Jaden. I'm trying to get his body right for sports. And so I, I'm putting a lot of emphasis on that. We tell him to eat right. We're going to the gym. We're working out. And I'm thinking to myself, is the emphasis that I'm putting on working out for sports with Jaden, how does that compare with the emphasis that I'm putting on the things of the God with him? And I have to sit back and say, I'm falling short. You know, I take time with the kids. I go out with them. I, I take them out, work with her on soccer. I take her out, work with her with softball. I'm always talking about, if you want to be great, you have to do this. You have to sacrifice this. And I'm putting a lot of emphasis on those sports and things. And I need to make sure in my life that the emphasis that I put on the things of God should overshadow any emphasis that I put on the things of this world. Amen. Not because sports are bad, but just because of Yahweh is here. Amen. I am that I am is here. And so my biblical emphasis on their spiritual life should far surpass the emphasis that I give to them on their sports. You know, I was excited when Jaden passed the test, the PERT test to go to college, to start taking college classes. You know, and we, what, what, what happened, Jaden, like the, well, a week before, three nights before, we was in a room, we were going over math, I was going over problems with them, we were spending time, we was going over calculations, and we were spending a lot of time and a lot of emphasis on that because education is important. But as I was studying for the message, I started thinking about it. Do I put that same emphasis on the things of God for my children? And when the last time I went to the board at home and we started breaking down the word of God with them? And I thought about that. I said, no, I have not. And so I'm looking at Mary, this 12-year-old girl, this 13-year-old girl who said that my soul continuously makes God large in my life. And I said, I have failed. I haven't continuously made God large in my life and the things that are around me. That's my responsibility to the Bible. 
from the word of God. That's my responsibility as a believer because of the fact that God keeps his promise. Verse 54 says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offsprings forever. What Mary said was God kept his promise. He told Abraham, he told those old folks that he was going to come. He told them that the Messiah was coming. And I like when she says, in remembrance of his mercy, God remembered what he said and he actually brought it to pass. The sovereignty of God. And so what did I, what, what, what is God telling us from this Magnificat? God is telling us in this Magnificat to make sure, one, that we accept eternally the word of God with steadfast conviction. We, we've been talking about a guy who had conviction, Daniel. The Bible said that Daniel resolved in his heart that he would not eat the king's meat. Daniel had conviction. He had a secure, steadfast thing that he was holding on to, the word of God. And because of that, no matter what happened around him, he did not waver. That's my responsibility. That's what the Christmas story is telling me, that I need to have that belief like Mary did at such a young age. And because I hear the word of God, my belief will be shown through my obedience to what God says. And then the blessings will show. I challenge you to obey God and watch him bless. Then to stay in a continual state of making God large constantly. How do I do that? How do I magnify God? Well, David said, come together and talk about how good God is. Come together and spend time reading God, reading the word of God. Come together and put that emphasis on what God is. Trust God to keep his promise and rejoice. And make sure that we are emphasizing the right thing. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for this time, God, where we have set aside time to thank you for coming. We thank you for being Yahweh and El Elyon and El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rohi, God. And we thank you, God, for leaving your glory and taking off your glory robe in heaven and coming down to the stinking, filthy, evil earth, God, and to be born as a baby. And I pray, God, that everyone in the sound of my voice, starting with me, God, that I will put the emphasis in the right place in my life over my family, over myself, over this church and over everything, God, that I will continue as little 12 year old Mary did to make your name great to make your name large, to exalt you, to worship you, to magnify you in every fiber of my being, God. And that that magnification of you, God, will come over anything else that I've got going on, God, because I know what my emphasis should be, and it's on you. We thank you for this time, God. We ask you to continue to bless your word. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. 
Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way. 